Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Just as, as Jess and them were leading us in worship, and we, we sang these, these things that are true about God and about who He is. I want to encourage you this morning, just even in this moment, to take a second and just just confess who the Lord is in your life and what is true about him. And so even in this very moment, I want to ask you, before we get into this morning, before we jump into his word, to just confess to who God is, to just testify to his goodness, his grace, his mercy, and who he is in our life. And so if you would be so bold and to engage in this, I'd love for you just to share what God is, who God is to you. He's our comforter. Is that what you said, Melissa? Yes, Lindsay, comforter. Amen. He's our teacher. Yeah. A father. Amen. A friend, yes. Protector. Our Savior, one who saves. Yeah, he's truth. Yeah, he's our forgiver. He's the one that's the forgiver of our sins. Amen. Lord, I just want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you. God, that you are all those things all at once to all people. God, that you are our Savior, you are our Father, you're the one that comforts us when we're struggling. God, you're the ones that forgives us of our sins. Lord, that you're our friend, or that comes alongside and listens to us. God, that we get to have relationship with you like no other, that you can be all those things all at once. So, Lord, we just ask for this time right now that we engage with you in those ways. God, every one of us in this room needs different things at different times in our lives. And I just thank you, Lord, that you know those needs. So we just invite you into this space to soften our hearts. God, to just give us a moment of pause, of restitution, to just be in your presence, God, and for you to be those things to us. And we pray these things in your name, amen. So for the past several weeks, we have been in the book of First Thessalonians. We've been in a series called Dear Church. Uh, and in this, we're really just taking our time to walk through different letters of the New Testament, which the majority uh, of the New Testament are letters to the church that are penned by men, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we have been the past several weeks in the book of First Thessalonians. And so today we're gonna be in First Thessalonians 3. There's five chapters total. And we kind of reflected last week, if you were here, is this, this church in Thessalonica is this young um, budding new church that there's a, that, that's spreading like wildfire. And these are people that are new in their faith. And so this is truly a letter of encouragement. And there are plenty, as you read through some of the epistles in the New Testament, there's a lot of things that uh, a lot of those letters have correction. Um, they have they have, uh, they're giving advice and direction of what they should do, what they should not do. But this letter doesn't read as much like that. And yes, there's a, there are pieces of correction in here 
and there's theology in this, but there is a lot of encouragement. And so we're going to see that today. And so one of the things that we've been doing, just the idea to keep the concept of a letter kind of forefront in our mind, is I've been sharing different letters from my life with you. And those have been thank you letters from my daughter. And they've typically been something that's been significant to me. Um, I read a lo- I read a love letter from myself to Shay Shay. I read a thank you letter from my daughter. And last week I brought my very first Bible I received when I was in eighth grade from my mom and the scripture and the letter and the little piece that she wrote in the very beginning of that book. And if you were here last week, you saw that that, was, that, that Bible had been beat up. It had been rained on. It had been left out uh, and it was in poor shape. And so I've had many different Bibles since then. And so one of the things is uh, I, I try to, I try to, do a better job of taking care of my Bible. So a few years ago for Christmas, um, I got this Bible right here. And so my uh, mother and father-in-law, they asked me, they said, what do you want for Christmas? And I knew it. I said, I want this Bible. Here's where you can get it. It's a legit Bible. Not that my others weren't, but maybe it would be more durable. It's like real leather. And so for Christmas, they got me a Bible. And in the front of my Bible, uh, admittedly, you can see in the PS of my note, this is from my father-in-law, uh, that, that Nana uh, did all the work to get the Bible done, to have my name on it. Uh, but my father-in-law uh, wrote this in the front. And so what I want you to do is I'm going to read this to you. I've asked his permission. Most of my letters, I haven't asked permission. But for Barry, I called him this week uh, when he was in class. And I said, can I read this letter? And he goes, oh, I guess you can. So once he gave me a yes, I jumped on it. So uh, I want to read this to you. But in the, in the spirit of what letters are, we talked about how letters give a history, letters give encouragement, uh, letters tell a story of relationship between people. Um, this, to me, is a letter of encouragement, an encouragement about, and an, an encouragement that has history behind it. It's, it's, a, it's a letter that I've been married to. I've been, Barry has been my dad for 15 years now. And so when I walked in his office in 2005 uh, to ask him if I could marry his daughter, that was about as easy as that goes. I don't know if you've ever done that, if you've ever asked for someone to give their daughter's hand in marriage to you, but Pops could not have made that easier for me. And if you know him, you know why, because he knew exactly why I was there and he did most of the talking, which was great. And so I sat down in his office, and he goes, well, you know, and I, yeah, it's just so sweet and so kind, and I didn't have to say too much. He knew I was there, and um, yeah, it was a sweet moment. And so after 15 years of him being uh, my dad, um, yeah, I'd like to share this with you. So here is a letter that he wrote to me in the front of my Bible when they give this to me for Christmas. It says, Dear Jake, it has been a wonderful experience watching you grow into the leader of others that you are. Your ability to express the word of God and apply it in a way that people understand is truly a gift. Then to live and speak a life of example makes it believable and attainable to you, uh, to, to and for others. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. This is a quote by John C. Maxwell, and it made me think of you. I love you. And I'm grateful for all that you have brought to my life, my family, and to me personally. You inspire me and make me want to be a better man. Thank you for all that you do for all of us. And then the P.S. 
Sue Ann is the one responsible for the Bible. I'm the writer, but she's the one whose love for you made this book happen. She loves you. Uh, she loves your family and you so much. She holds you in the highest regard always. Love, Barry Pops. Is that not the sweetest letter? Yeah, amen. And I always tell, you know, Shay and I do, uh, we do some premarital counseling occasionally when asked. And it's, uh, believe it or not, we're pretty authentic uh, people in general. So we're pretty authentic during that time. And one of the things we talk about is in-laws and how your relationship with your in-laws is the same thing. It's a relationship. And so I can proudly say that I have, I've fallen in love with my in-laws and I have a relationship with them that, uh, that's grown and changed and matured and to where they're family to me. And so as I read this letter of encouragement, I want you to keep that in mind about history and relationship. As we get into 1 Thessalonians chapter three, you're gonna see Paul begin to write words of encouragement to these people. Now, Paul's relationship with them is much shorter, a much smaller relationship uh, than 15 years with my father-in-law, but you're gonna see this come out. And so uh, I'm gonna pray quickly and ask the Lord to speak and then uh, we'll jump in. And we're gonna be at the end of chapter two and then we're gonna go at the end of chapter two on through three. Dear Lord, we just love you. And I thank you for Barry Bourne. And I thank you for him in my life, God, for the father, the mentor, the encourager that he's been um, in my life. And I thank you for people in all of our lives, God, that encourage us to spur us forward, to help point us to you, God. And so we just ask, God, that you would do that to us now, collectively as a body of Christ, individually as a follower of you. Jesus, we love you and speak to us now. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So I'm going to read the end of chapter two because uh, for one, we didn't get to it last week. Actually, I'm reading out of the ESV. So I'm going to pull this bad boy out. So we didn't get to it last week for one, uh, but it also gives you a little stance of where Paul is. And so at the end of chapter two, Paul gives this feeling of uh, he misses them. He's, he's been through a long journey and he wasn't sure the state of this church in Thessalonica. So he sends Timothy to check on them. Timothy comes back with this report and reports uh, the good news of their faith and the church that's, that's growing and spreading the faith of the people and the church at Thessalonica. And so in verse 17 of chapter two, he says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. And, and, it, and we, want, we get this picture of how he feels and how he relates to this church. If you remember, you can look in Acts 16 and Acts 17 about his, his journey at this point, his missionary journey. And he spends three weeks in Thessalonica, about a month. It's three Sabbaths. And so the SMA is between three to four weeks long. And that's not a long time. And so it's easy to look at this letter and think, oh, that's not a deep relationship. But if you've ever done something really intense with somebody for a duration of time, you know what that's like. If you've ever been on a mission trip, if you've ever gone and served abroad with someone, you can go abroad and you can serve a time with somebody. And even it could be a short week long trip, but you do this really intense 
you experience something really powerful and you go really deep, really fast with relationships. I can sit here and think about Hope Lyle, who we went to Nicaragua when she was a teenager and, and, and Russ Robinson. And what we experienced there, I could not articulate it to you. I couldn't tell you what it was like. I couldn't, I couldn't explain what God did during that time. I couldn't explain the moments that we went into people's houses, how his spirit went before us and the miracles that we saw happen there. I could not articulate or put into words what we can experience, but hope knows. Russ Robinson knows, Shay Shay knows, because we went together, right? We went over and we had dinner at TJ's house. And TJ, you've done missionary work all over the world. And we laughed about stories and you told experiences about taking teenagers and funny instances about serving alongside kids in foreign countries and teenagers. And like you had those experiences together. If you've ever been to a camp or a retreat that even if it was for a few days or a week long or whatever it is, you have these really intense, deep relationships. And that's what Paul experienced with these people. They're on the front lines of ministry, taking the gospel to people that did not know the truth about Jesus Christ. And they experienced something deep together. And then he, he left them and, and he didn't leave them because the trip was at the end or because their time had come. And he didn't get to say, hey, I'll see you next year. I'll come back again. He, he, he fled in the middle of the night. An angry mob rose up and chased him out of town. And so to think about what they experienced there and his mourning and sadness over this, as you can see, he misses them. And so we can all relate to this. We can all think about right now relationships that we hold very dear and true to us. And they may be relationships of the past. If you can think about uh, a time that you are a part of something or a time that you served on a team. This morning, we prayed for Denise Maxwell. And she's been her job for 30 years and her boss is retiring and they're closing down. And as, as good as it's been, it's her time is coming to a close. And I guarantee you she doesn't uh, reminisce on all the insurance, uh, whatever insurance agents reminisce on. She reminisces on the relationships and what they've got to experience and how they've grown and relationships that they have together. And so we can experience that same thing. But I wanna encourage us to consider to not be so quick to move on. We see that from Paul here. We see even though he's moved on and had different ministry experiences, he, he doesn't move on from these people. He still has this love for them. You know, our journey is the vessel and kind of out of ACF. I still meet with um, uh, a guy named Tom Fulmer. He was a part of ACF and now pastors a church in Northwest Hills and a guy named Russ Robinson, or not Russ Robinson, Russell Daniel that's out in Hutto. Uh, and that pastors a church out there. And we still get together and we were reminded of the ministry and what we experience, even though that, that time and that season is over and we got to do this really intense, miraculous thing together. We've moved into this different season. We remember that our work wasn't in vain. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse one, last week, Paul says, for you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. Sometimes we miss it. We get so focused on what's next or the advancement of ministry or our lives or the next season that we're in. And we've got this mindset of progress, of moving forward. And surely the area that I'm moving in is better than the area I was because we see our lives as this grand exercise in progress and growing. And while we're always growing, 
man, to, to love and enjoy the season that we're in. And that's what Paul is remembering here. And I want to encourage us to keep that in the front of our minds is that this is it. Like what we're doing today is it. To know one another, to love one another, to get to serve alongside one another. This is it. This is what God has called us to. We had an elders meeting on Friday at our house. And honestly, we talked about so many different things, but really we laughed. We just laughed. We laughed at different stuff. We laughed at one another. We laughed at God and how crazy and good and amazing he is. And we got to just be together and be in relationship. And, and we prayed for you. And we laughed about you and the church and, and how, what God's doing. But part of it is that, is to remember that this is what we're doing. Because the truth is, is that the ministry of the church is about relationship. Relationship with one another and relationship with God. And so if we look back at my Bible and we consider this note from my father-in-law at the beginning, this is a note of relationship. Is that he and I, we've had a relationship over all these years. And he can say, I've seen you grow. I've watched you become the leader that God's making you into. My life has been affected by it. It's not, a, it's not a to whom it may concern, may this Bible bless you and keep you and, and go before you. Uh, you know, sincerely, your father-in-law, Barry. What's your middle name, Pops? Thomas. See, boring, right? It's not that at all, right? When he wrote this letter, I guarantee he didn't think I'd be reading in front of a group of people on a Sunday morning. He wrote it to me. The same is true about Paul. Paul didn't know that the words he was writing to this church were gonna be pinned by the Holy Spirit. The word of God that's alive and active. So he misses these people. Then he moves on to chapter three and he begins to talk about their faith and spurring them forward in their faith. And he says this in verse one of chapter three, he says, therefore, when we could bear it no longer, We were willing to be left behind in Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's coworker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one, that one, excuse me, that no one be moving by these afflictions for you yourselves know that when we were destined for this, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer afflictions just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. And so Paul, he can't stand it any longer. They've planted this church. He's been on this journey and he doesn't know where they are. There's not uh, social media. He can't text them, right? All that sort of generic 2021 stuff he can't do. He's longing to know. He said, when I couldn't bear it one any longer, I said, okay, Timothy, you've got to go. You've got to find out what the Lord's doing there. And then verse two, he tells us his purpose with which he sent Timothy. And this idea of this faith and their purpose of faith. And I want you to think about and see this in this scripture is that faith feeds faith. That faith feeds faith. He tells them, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's coworker to the gospel to do two things. This is the purpose, to establish and exhort your faith. To establish means to literally to strengthen or to make stable. Um, 
to, to, to make stable. If you remember last week, we talked about how uh, Paul talked and reflected on the seed and they told him the truth of God. They preached not for their own success or for flattery or anything like that. They told him the truth and the seed took root. Their faith grew and began to mature and how Paul encourages them that. And he says that, that the reason he's send, sending Timothy to this trip is so that they, it would make their faith stronger and it would strengthen their faith. And you know, sometimes we, as, as the church and as Christians, we can get so focused on the conversion that we, that we miss it. We realize that God's not just calling us to convert people into Christians. God's calling us to make disciples. And that's one of the things, like we talk here at The Vessel about authenticity being one of our core values, right? And, it, and it, it, part of it is being authentic with the gospel, to be an authentic with relationship, to be genuine in our pursuit for Jesus Christ and with one another. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus faced with the Pharisees and he tells them these seven woes to the Pharisees. And like, let's be real, Jesus is picking a fight. Like Jesus is picking a fight. You know that scene in um, Braveheart where he says, all right, well, what are we gonna do now? And he goes, I'm going to pick a fight. And he runs out there and he picks a fight. He's there like, all right, I guess we're going to war. There's no negotiating. He's going to pick a fight. And so a lot of ways, that's what Jesus is doing with these guys. And he says this, he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are is that we miss it. Man, we, sometimes we turn people into a, a number. We turn ministry into a process and we can take the human piece out of it. That's one reason we say that one, one, part of our vision is to pursue inward relationship with one another. And this is what it is. Knowing one another, being in one another's life, having genuine relationship is kingdom stuff. And so Paul sends Timothy to strengthen their faith, to help strengthen them. And not only does that, he says, he, he says um, to establish or strengthen and to exhort you in their faith. Exhort translates literally to encourage or admonish. And that Paul also mentions this in the last chapter of encouraging their faith. And I want you to know that when we think about inward relationship, part of it is that's our responsibility as Christ followers. Like part of my responsibility is to encourage you Part of your responsibility is to encourage me, right? That's what scripture says. That's what we're charged to do with one another. Hebrews chapter three says, but exhort or encourage, same word, encourage one another every day, as long as, as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by deceitfulness of sin. So today, you wanna know what do I do today to follow Jesus? It says right here, Encourage one another as long as it's still called today. So you want to honor the Lord today? You want to advance his kingdom today? Encourage someone. Encourage someone in their faith and what they're going through. And the scripture says that sin hardens. The deceitfulness of sin hardens our heart. And what we all know, one of the enemy's greatest one of the things that he does the best in his desire is to isolate us, to put us in a place of isolation so that we're not being encouraged, we're not being strengthened, we're not being held accountable, we're not being loved by others. 
and you've seen it, you've seen people that have fallen away from relationship, fallen away from their faith, and the deceitfulness of sin hardens their heart. But we're to encourage one another. You know, we, I, uh, we have some men's group. Uh, we've got this men's retreat that's coming up at the end of the month. And we've got these authenticity groups. And, and authenticity groups, all they are is they're kind of like accountability groups, uh, essentially. But a lot of times accountability, we think of it as a negative term. Like it's, it's a shame culture or we're going to guilt you into something. But I want to tell you that those authenticity groups, really what they are is their encouragement. It's being real in your faith. It's being open and honest about where you are what you're struggling with, and having other people surround you and encourage you forward in your relationship with Jesus. And so when, when Paul tells him this, this idea of, of strengthening and encouraging, I want you to consider this image. And this is something as Jessica and I were meeting this week, we meet every week on Tuesdays at Lamp Post Coffee, and we have coffee and we talk about ministry, but really it's this. It's us getting together and sharing about what God's doing. And so we talked about this image of us having a meal together. And so when we think about this idea in this picture of faith feeding faith, it is like us having this grand feast together. So I don't know, like if you think back about what your family does for Thanksgiving maybe, or if that's Christmas that you all sit down and you have a, or like an Easter ham, it's Easter ham. We have ham on Easter, right, Nana? You have Easter ham on Easter, or, or whether it's big turkey and a big a big feast at Thanksgiving, or if you have never experienced any of those, you've seen the movie Hook, you know, where they imagine the food and then boom, when Robin Williams gets it, like it's all there. It's like that, like you sit down together. And why do you do that? Why? To enjoy and to be with one another. And yes, there's food on that table that strengthens you, that literally provides sustenance for your body, right? It provides health and fuel for your body, but there's much easier and more efficient and cheaper and less laborious ways to do that than to have everyone come over. Everyone's gonna, we're gonna divide up what we're cooking. We're gonna fry a turkey. We're gonna do a casserole. I, you know, I don't know, whatever you do, rolls, stuffing, whatever you have, dressing, gravy. And we all come together and we labor over this kitchen and it's gone in about 20 minutes, right? It's like they just devour and it's all gone. And then people are tired and there's dishes to be done. But why do you do that? Not, it, not only because it feeds your body, but because it feeds your soul. That we get to be together, to sit around a table, to laugh. Man, if someone brings a dish, if Dustin brings uh, rolls, I can break that and, like, and I can eat. Yeah, he can do better than that. Thank you. Whatever he may bring, he can bring that and I can eat that. It's something that he put it time into, something that he prepared and that I can feed on that and I can share in that. It's the same way with our faith. Man, that we're to share faith with one another as if we're sitting at a table to feed upon that and to realize that that encourages us. It strengthens our body. It gives us sustenance for our, our spirit and our soul and who we are. And if you're not in that relationship, if you're not in a place by that, Hebrews 3 says, the deceitfulness of sin will harden your heart, will drive you to despair, to make you feel alone. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
Um, this past week, I have a confession to make. Um, I eavesdrop on both of our women's Bible studies. So we have two women's Bible studies, and I confess before you and before God that I eavesdropped on both of those. So one of those was, was at our house. It's our virtual study that Shay does on Monday nights. And so I was giving Keller a haircut in a bathroom, and so I could not help but overhear the virtual study. And I want you to know that that's what they did. They did this right here. Is yes, they, you know, Bible study, physical, they're, they're, they're feeding. Man does not live on bread alone, but every word of God. They're reading Philippians and they're feeding on God's word, right? Sustenance. But then I hear them talking and they're sharing about what they've done. And I hear Joan, who I've never met before, sharing about what the Lord's done in her life and what he's calling her to do. And Nana to talk about having people in your life and they're encouraging one another, and then on Tuesday, I was going up to give a backpack to Jessica uh, and our, our, our women's Bible study that meets in person. They meet at Lamp Post Coffee on Tuesday nights. And I bring the backpack up and I will have to say, Melissa Godfrey said, you got a haircut. You look like a 15 year old. I was like, yes. I was like, I want to say that in front of a group of people to make me feel better. But I saw them there at that table and these relationships and that here they are and they're doing that together around a table, feeding on faith. Faith feeds faith. Encouraging, exhorting, strengthening one another. Paul continues in verse six. He says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remembered us kindly and longed to see us as we longed to see you. Verse seven, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress... And affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. And I love this verse seven. He says, for this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, what Paul suffered, what Silas has walked through, what Timothy has been through on this journey, for all of their distress and their affliction, we have been comforted by hearing about your faith. We've been comforted about you through your faith. And I want you to know that is so encouraging. And for me as a pastor, I can, I can empathize with that feeling. If you remember, uh, as we've talked about, Paul has been on a really hard journey. He, he, it started in Philippi where he and Silas were thrown into prison. Then they moved on to Thessalonica as where, where, they, where this church was planted. And they were chased out by an angry mob just three weeks there. Then they go to Athens and Berea and they, the angry mob follows them there. They have menial success. There are people that are worshiping unknown gods that they don't know. And they arrive in Corinth where Paul writes this letter to this church in Thessalonica, where he sends Timothy back out to the place of the angry mob to check on them. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, that he arrives in Corinth in weakness and fear and trembling. These guys are beat up. They're tired. They are discouraged. That this missionary journey has been really hard. But faith comforts. He says when he gets word of their faith, it comforts him. 
it comforts him. And as a pastor, I can relate to this, to hear the good news of your faith and love. The thing that discourages me the most are two things, are broken relationships and people losing their faith and having a crisis of faith. And it happens, it happens within the church. And those things are really hard. They're really hard and they're super discouraging. And I can do load in, load out every Sunday for here until the end of time, right? I can do all the hard things. I can endure through difficulty, right? But what discourages me is to hear about broken relationships and people that are having a crisis of faith. But the good news of your faith and love comforts, that we've been comforted through your faith. And I get the same thing as that those are the things that feed my soul. Those are the things that keep me going, that encourage me to continue to moving on as a pastor. On Friday, um, as if you guys remember Friday, three days ago, it was rainy and kind of cold. And it was just kind of a yucky day, right? And so Sloan comes home from school and uh, she comes home. And as soon as she comes home, she and I are in the office and we're kind of talking through some things. And she's like, I just want to get in a blanket and I want to get my PJs on and I want to turn on the TV and I want to get my bed or get my iPad. I want to watch a movie. It's Friday. That's all I want to do. And so she runs upstairs. She comes back down. She's got like these, these super baggy, you know, like fleece pants. Her hair's all up in a bun. She's got a blanket and she's ready because she wanted to be comforted, right? That, that's comfortable for her. And part of it's the same way as our faith. Like, what, is it, what does it look like to wrap ourselves in things that comfort us? And Paul says that he's experienced that through them. And the truth is, is that your faith is not only for you, but your faith is for the sake of someone else. Ephesians chapter four talks about this. It says, as prisoners of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received that Paul, writing another letter to another church in Ephesus, he's telling, I urge you, I, I beg, I beseech you, I, I encourage you, I, I beg you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. He goes on in chapter four. He says, and he tells them, he says, to bear with one another in love, to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace so that the body of Christ may be built up. He's like, you don't realize, but your faith, I encourage you to keep going, to keep fighting, to bear with one another in love, right? To build one another up, to seek the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace with gentleness, with respect, to fight for relationship with one another. Why? For the sake of the body to be built up because your faith with Jesus is not only for you, your faith of Jesus is for others and for those around you. And so I want to consider right now, who is that person in your life? Who are people in your life right now today that they depend on your faith? That because of how you love and how you follow Jesus Christ and the trust that you have in him, the peace of his presence in your life, his spirit living in you, who is it in your life that depends on that? That if you forsake your faith tomorrow, if gone, or you drop relationship with someone tomorrow, that it, they would be affected, they would be changed. And I promise if you consider hard enough, you can find someone. And if you can't, I would encourage you to consider, am I, is my faith feeding? Is my faith comforting? Is God using that? Am I in relationship with others? 
and think about what that would be. And finally, as we close, Paul finishes uh, with these verses and talks about not just their faith that feeds, not just their faith that comforts, but also he, he encourages them for a faith for the future. And he says this in verse 11, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do you so that he may establish your hearts blameless and in holiness before God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all his saints. So as Paul closes out, he points their faith towards the future. He says, he says now that I've gotten word, now that I've been comforted by your faith, now that I hear of your faith that's growing and the, the seed that's been planted in the soil of opposition, the faith that's growing and maturing and the fruit that you're producing, being this image and this example, this is chapter two, image and example for other churches. Now that I hear and get word about that, I wanna come back to you. I wanna come and finish the, what we started. If you look at the, 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 the letters that Paul writes to Timothy, he always ends on by saying, fight the good fight of faith. Continue the, the journey on. Because following a relationship with Jesus is not punching a ticket to heaven. And giving our life to Christ, being saved isn't the end game, it's the beginning. And man, to truly follow Jesus, it's not about becoming, it's about the journey and the journey that we're on. And so Paul encourages them as they move forward for their faith continue to grow so that they can, their hearts can become blameless in holiness before God so that they can increase and abound in love for one another and for all, right? And he talks about these things. So what I'm gonna do as we close, I'm gonna invite my friend Dustin back up and he's gonna play, he's gonna play some music for us. And what I want you to do is re reflect for a minute on your own faith. Reflect on whose faith has been poured into your life. As I go back to this letter, and my father-in-law, who's a better man than I'll ever be, says, I'm grateful that you have been brought into my life, my family, and to me personally. You inspire me and make me want to be a better man. And that is miraculous that we can have a relationship in that way. You can't, Barry has, as a, as a varsity basketball coach, I can't tell you how many people's lives he's affected in that way. How many people come back to him and said, because of you and because what you've done, uh, this is how God's shaped me. This is what the Lord's done. This is how I've been changed by being in relationship with you. When I was in high school, I was a... Uh, a hurdler and a pole vaulter. That was my sport. Because me and Trey, right, Trey? Track. Me and Trey always talk about track. And so I had this coach, a guy named Joe Hester, and he was amazing, this guy. And, and we called him Smoking Joe Hester. Um, and he was, I'm not even kidding, he was a pole vaulting god in the pole vaulting world. And you laugh about that, but as a high school coach, Sports Illustrated has talked about him and written him, written about him. So there's been only one other, when I was in high school, there was only one other high school in the state of Texas that had a 17-foot pole vaulter, 
Joe Hester had two 17-foot pole vaulters the same year, back-to-back years. He had numerous All-Americans. He had guys that jumped, that pole vaulted in the Olympics, guys that went full ride to Nebraska and UT. I was not one of them. But he was a man like no other. And he was unique, and he ran summer track, and he would put these mats out there. I mean, he was a total character. And he died this week at 86 years old. 86 years old, he passed away. And guess what he was doing this week? He was coaching a girl to go to state for pole vaulting. So he's still coaching, 86 years old. And I just got to see on social media people reflecting on him as a person and what he's done, how he's affected their life. So I want you to think about that for yourself, to consider whose faith has encouraged you. Because of the way someone else follows Jesus, how have you been comforted? Have you been strengthened? How have you grown? And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a moment to, I wanna give you the opportunity to testify to that. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is just where you are, if God puts something on your heart, I'd like for you just to raise your hand to stand and share. And for those who are participating through church at home, they can put that in the comments and I'll, I'll translate to them uh, what is said in this room. So Dustin's just gonna play underneath this. And just as you feel led, I'd love for you to share how someone else's faith has changed you. And I'll start. And this is the one, I mean, I've talked about Barry and I've talked about Coach Hester, but one of the things that as I look back in this past year that has been, strengthened my faith the most and has been so good to be to me has been uh, the faith of my dad and I just think like we've gotten to be in relationship with one another in the context of church and like growing up as a kid you were my Sunday school teacher and we I remember those days and I think you think as a kid like oh that's over and I'm going to move on and, and not move on but in the sake of Paul, considering like seasons change. And I mean, we had seasons that we fell out of relationship and like any uh, two broken men, you know, we have, it's hard having a relationship. But my greatest joy of the past year has been to be back in the context of doing church and being in relationship with one another of faith. And yes, I still call you when I need help. I need you to fix something around the house. But I'm so grateful that it's beyond that. Like that God has given us the opportunity to have a life and a relationship of faith. Man, it's a gift, right? So that's me. So who else? Anyone else wants to testify? Yeah, just yell it out, girl. You get in the mic. I don't want to yell. Sorry. Um, someone's faith who's encouraged me recently is uh, my cousin's husband, which is your, I guess, uncle. Um, he posted on Facebook. He graduated from a computer class, which kind of seems like, oh, it's we're in 2021, you know, that's what we do now. We're on computers all day and we're, you know, pretty tech savvy. Um, but he had uh, given his testimony of how he had been in prison for 14 years and 
you know, pretty much his life was stripped from him. And, you know, he did everything before prison. And he did everything in prison that you would think someone would do. Um, and he got out in 2017 and just kind of shared his story of how he met um, my cousin, who's his wife now. And um, they have a newborn baby. And just to see um, where he's gone, um, where he's come from and where he is now. And something that he shared was um, God's faithfulness and when one door closes, there's always one that's going to open. And so that kind of just encouraged me just to see, knowing all that he's went, went, went through in prison and before prison and seeing family members, you know, who have been killed and murdered and drugs and all that kind of stuff, um, to see his, his faithfulness and just get, getting through something as simple as a computer class, which we take for granted. Um, so. That's awesome. Thank you, Jess. Who else? bringing the microphone. Okay. Um, You know, for me, for this past year, um, I think, and they're not here today, but Gary Kroll, his faith has just been amazing. Like, they have gone through so much, and it just keeps coming. Like, they just keep getting hit by stuff. But, y'all, he has just grown from even last year to to this year I think you guys would agree too like we're in small group and he shares and he like has the most beautiful prayers like I'm like man you're making me cry again like and it's just it's been a beautiful beautiful journey of faith and it and truly it has come from um just the circumstances that they've been in where it's just where else do we turn and and I know that, that God is just going to, and he already has, but like just the blessings that are going to come their way. But, but man, for this past year, Gary Crawl has been an amazing man of faith. Awesome. Oh, we have him online. All right. So Elizabeth Ayer says, my brother's faith, he strengthened my faith and led me and bring me to the vessel. And yeah, to give a place in a home and to bring someone in. Uh, Jessica Gurley says, my mom's faith has changed my life forever. I'd never be as strong in my faith now if she hadn't been there encouraging me. I may not even be a Christian. Thanks, mom. I love you. Anyone else? All right. If you would, if you guys would stand, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to thank God for that. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.